You and I are creatures, which means that we depend upon another for our very existence. And that state of dependence means that we need someone or something to rule over us. We are not sufficient of ourselves. As Americans, we may pride ourselves on our independence, but as creatures, as much as we may resist the truth, we are dependent on another. And so our nature is such that we can't escape placing someone or something on the throne of our hearts. It's how we're made. Our hearts, if you will, made with this throne upon which something will be seated in our life. The throne is never empty. There's a strong temptation to make wealth or pleasure or power or a good reputation the thing that we serve, that which motivates all that we do. But today's feast, this wonderful solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, reminds us that in the end, there's really only one person who deserves to sit on that throne in our hearts. Only one who deserves to rule over our lives as king. And that is Christ, whom we proclaim today to be the king of the universe. He is that because, as we heard in our second reading from St. Paul, in him were created all things. All things were created through him and for him. All these prepositions that St. Paul loves so much. He goes on to say he's before all things and in him all things hold together. Making Jesus Christ our king, giving him the throne of our hearts does, yes, mean we have to live our lives in a certain way. It means we have to accept his commandments and strive to conform our lives to what he commands and to conform our lives to the example that he gives, which is not easy. And it's a struggle, it's a battle that we all fight throughout our lives to keep that throne in our hearts for Christ. It's a struggle, it's a battle to unseat whatever else may claim that throne in our hearts. But here's the beautiful and mysterious thing about the kingship of Jesus Christ. Anything else that we serve, Anything else that we place on that throne in our heart eventually will make us a slave. We'll become bound, restricted by it. But when we submit to the kingship of Christ, he sets us free. We become sons and daughters of God. And that's because the way that Christ rules over us is by laying down his life for us. It's a strange thing, isn't it, that the church chooses the gospel she does today. We would expect on this feast of the triumph of Christ the King, perhaps, to hear about the transfiguration when he shone gloriously, radiantly before his chosen apostles. 
or to be given an account of his resurrection from the dead, that triumphant moment of victory over sin and death. Or maybe the gospel of the ascension when he rose back into heaven to the glory that he enjoyed with the Father before his incarnation. But no. Today, we meet Jesus on the cross. The cross is his throne. His crown is not one of jewels and gold, but of thorns. His triumph is the laying down of his life. And when we make him our king, even though it does cost us something, it means in the end, really, only allowing him to love us and to save us from our slavery to other claimants to that throne in our hearts. There's an ancient legend about something that happened to the Holy Family during their flight into Egypt, escaping the wrath of King Herod. The story goes that as they were making their way, they encountered this band of robbers, one of whom, named Disnus, approached them with his sword in hand, prepared to steal whatever of value they might have. I want to share with you a, a little imaginative narration of that moment from this children's book by Raymond Royal called The Thief Who Stole Heaven. A little story time for you this morning where he talks about this moment, or he describes it. This is how he describes it. Rummaging through the saddlebags of the Holy Family, Dismas glanced up at the beautiful woman with skin like silk. She softly kissed the feet of the infant in her arms and pressed her head against his tiny toes. Then the child, ever so slowly, turned his face toward Dismas, looking him, squarely in the eyes. The thief froze with fear and amazement. Who is this child? Who is he? He begged the woman. Dismas couldn't tear his gaze from the baby's piercing eyes. Mary said nothing. She covered the child's face with her mantle and serenely lowered her head. Then to Mary he whispered, Let me see your child again and I'll do you no harm. Mary looked to Joseph, who nodded his approval. Gently, she lifted her blue veil, and behold, the child was already staring at Dismas alone, and he was smiling. The thief felt such shame, shame for what he'd done even moments ago, and amazement at the light and purity he saw in the child's eyes. Awestruck, Dismas stretched out his hand to touch the baby. The child gripped the thief's finger with the strength of a man. Hairs bristled on Dismas' arms and at the back of his neck. He tried to pull away but could not. In panic and wonder, he murmured to the child, If ever a time should come when I need your mercy, remember me. You may have guessed that the legend goes on to say that this same thief who had had this encounter with the child Jesus during the flight to Egypt then encountered him one final time on the cross. 
Dismas, whom we now call Saint Dismas, was the good thief, crucified with Christ, who asked him to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And whether or not that legend about the flight into Egypt is true or not, what we know is certainly true because we believe the Gospels teach us the truth. Is that on the cross, here was a man who at one point had made wealth his king and had become such a slave to his greed that he committed terrible crimes, crimes for which he admitted on the cross he was justly being condemned. But in that moment when he hung next to the king of the universe and he looked once more into those eyes that had once looked at him, according to the legend, from the arms of our blessed mother, he opened his heart to the grace to cast off of the throne of his heart that greed for wealth and instead to make Jesus the king. And to beg him to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And it was because of that that he was blessed to hear the lips of the king say to him, Amen, I say to you, this day, today, you will be with me in paradise. Who or what sits on the throne of our hearts? As we look upon our king this very day raised up before us, not on the bloody cross, but veiled in an unbloody way in the sacrament of the altar, may we too find grace to cast every idol from our hearts, any false claimant to that throne, and instead to subject ourselves joyfully to the true king of the universe, the one who rules over us, by laying down his life for us. St. Patrick, pray for us.